Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the SportsGrid Fantasy Football Show hosted by Drew Dinkmar. This is the Thursday edition, which is meant to be a game-by-game breakdown of the main slate. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Christopher Pacheco. Today uh, goes by the numbers guy uh, on your, your local DFS sites. Chris is one of our content contributors at Daily Roto, mostly does premium content, helps us out on NBA, MLB, NFL, and our college football projections as well. A reminder, if you want to join us for the college football or the pro football or even the upcoming NBA season, you can use the promo code LAUNCH for 10% off. Chris, how are you doing today? Drew, I'm doing great, but I, I did want to point out uh, that you did not mention NHL uh, as part oh, of my right. profile, and that's I, right. you know, you know, I get really touchy with that man. I know, that, that I know. Hit, I just completely, home. I've completely blocked out NHL from my mind. It's one of the uh, one of the sports I have a lifetime negative ROI in, and I'm not <laughs> not proud of it. So I've just blocked it out. So I apologize for that. Outside of me uh, sh- shamefully um, introducing you incorrectly, how else are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it has been uh, quite a day. As you know, uh, here at Daily Roto, we are working uh, on college football stuff now more regularly. Uh, I am part of the projections team. So just been trying to get projections set for this Saturday. Uh, also had some baseball work uh, to do today, uh, which went great. Uh, still trying to figure out how I'm going to do in this mass multi-entry tournament that I played. But all things considered, Drew, I- I'm doing pretty great myself. Yeah, well, I would be doing better if we were doing the slate breakdown that we had prepared for. But as we were uh, working this afternoon, we saw a pod come across the the, the stream uh, recorded by Davis Maddock and Ricky Sanders that the pod description suggested a game-by-game breakdown was done of the slate. And so these freaking donkeys <laughs> stole our, our pod. Our they stick. just completely they, – they completely stole the, the Thursday pod. So – I apologize to those of you who in week one, I, I told you on Wednesday when we recorded on week one, that this would be a Thursday game-by-game breakdown going forward. Apparently, those idiots didn't even listen to the pod and figure that part out because they were supposed to do what we are now going to do instead, which is we're going to run through um, some of the news and notes around the NFL, some of the injury stuff that we're going to be paying attention to, how that might impact your cash game lineup decisions this week. We're going to walk through uh, some of the week one strong and weak performances, talk about whether we will be buying or selling those week one performances as uh, indicative or predictive of future performances. We'll talk through some stack rankings uh, for DFS. And then since this is the Thursday pod um, and they've already done the main slate game by game breakdown, we'll do a little uh, a little bit of a showdown breakdown as well for this Carolina-Tampa Bay game. Now, Chris, you and I are recording this late on Wednesday night, so we just have Wednesday practice report information uh, to talk through on the news and notes. But let's start it with you know the first news and note, which has really dominated the NFL uh, headlines over the course 
basically the last three weeks is is the saga and the ongoing drama surrounding Antonio Brown. And obviously the Patriots acquired him over the weekend. But then, you know, these uh, accusations of sexual misconduct came up uh, early on this week. And now there's some question marks about his availability for week two as New England uh, travels to, to face Miami. And it's a it's a it's a spot where it's a big deal to how the slate breaks down. Um, I don't think it should be our place. We're not legal experts to uh, evaluate whether Antonio Brown um, is going to be available from a legal perspective. But I think from a DFS perspective, where we do have some expertise, we can kind of talk about its impact. So right now, we currently have Antonio Brown out of our projections, assuming that he's not going to play. And what that tends to do for a Patriots team that has a monstrous implied total, over 33 points, an implied total, a level that we usually do not see, is it makes a lot of the Patriots players strong values. Now, they're coming off this huge win in the opener against Pittsburgh at home. Big blowout win, 33-3. to Chris, the Patriots are, are your favorite team. A lot of good price tags uh, for those Sunday night, Monday night contests as the slate pricing is usually released before then. So we've got that, you know, on both on both sites. We've got pretty good price tags mm-hmm. on all the Patriots. How do you think, let's assume that Antonio Brown is unavailable to play. How do you think that impacts cash games this week? Well, if Antonio Brown doesn't play, which obviously is what we are currently projecting right now, uh, I think, you know, you're going to see Julian Edelman be owned. You're going to see uh, potentially James White uh, on DraftKings specifically, who is $5,100 uh, as someone that could stand out for your cash game lineups. Uh, p- personally, Drew, I, I even think that the, the Patriots uh, defensive special teams is also going to be in play, even though they do carry kind of a gaudy uh, price tag uh, around the industry. Still think they're they're going to be in play really in all formats here. Um, even Tom Brady gets into that conversation, but I, like I, I'm personally like a little bit scared of this situation for Brady because yes, he did perform you know at a great level against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on that Sunday night game, and it was a game that ended up being a blowout. But like this sort of game strip game script just gives me pause because I feel like the Patriots could just like run the heck out of the ball. And it's not like we're not projecting them to run a lot. Uh, but I feel like it could get even more exaggerated in this sort of game script. So Brady for me is a guy that it is in play. Uh, I'll probably be playing him as part of Patriots stacks, but as far as cash games are concerned, I'm probably going to be looking elsewhere. Yeah, so the way that I'd think about this is, you know, ultimately I think there were some concerns last week similarly with Baltimore with the fact that, like, you know, the production could get spread out. We don't really know where we're going to go. And if the game gets really out of hand, you know, maybe they'll take their foot off the gas. And then Baltimore put up almost 60 points. Um, Lamar Jackson was the winning quarterback in most tournament lineups, and he was either uh, naked or stacked with uh, Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. There were just a in there, and Mark Ingram went off. Like everybody got theirs, right? right. And if you score forty plus points, it's going to be hard for guys not to get theirs. Yeah. Um, so the way that I think about this from a cash game perspective is that I think you would you would certainly want to emphasize the Patriots. You'd want to have at least one Patriots player in your lineup, possibly two. 
I think the ultimate way that you want to go about thinking about it is that from a positional standpoint, what are your replacement values? And so, like, if we talk about Tom Brady, who's, you know, 6,400 on DraftKings, I believe he's 7,800 on FanDuel, you know, are there quarterbacks that are priced somewhat similarly to him that can offer you replacement value? And I think there are. I think Lamar Jackson is certainly one. Um, I, I think he is, is probably the one that stands out most, but I think even, um, even Patrick Mahomes, if you wanted to go a little bit more expensive, is there. So I think that's a position where you could say, okay, like I, I can find different options there. Um, you could still use Brady, certainly, but there's 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 pivots to, to be had. Um, at, at running back, I think, you know, on DraftKings, the $5,100 price tag for James White is really, really affordable. On FanDuel, he's at 6300 I think it's pretty affordable, too, but... Fandle, he's not really a big touchdown scorer, so I don't think he's quite as valuable over there. So I would say, okay, on DraftKings, James White would be a really good play. And yes, there's there's always depth at running back, but this is one of those spots where he's got such a good floor because of the target volume that he gets that I think he'd be a really good cash game play at that price. And I would make the same uh, judgment on Julian Edelman, who saw you know 29% of the targets, I believe, in week one. Josh Gordon only saw four targets, was super efficient on his. Gordon's got a 5,800 price tag that I think is very good as well. And I think basically I'd probably use two of those three primary Patriots skill players between James White, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman, knowing that most likely I'm getting at least one touchdown and maybe two or three out of that group. And that's that's a pretty good way to go. On FanDuel, I think Edelman and Gordon are priority plays compared to White simply because that touchdown value over on Fandle, those guys with the better touchdown scores are also a little bit cheaper. And then I think the Patriots defense is going to be in play. Uh, They're the highest projected defense for us. They're also, I believe, the highest priced, so it's not exactly a surprise. Um, But I I think they'd be in play as well. So I would say my my instinct would be I would probably have at least two Patriots in my lineup, whether it's the defense and one of the skill players or two of the skill players. Um, I would be fine having up to three, honestly. Um, I think it's very likely they're scoring into the 30s and into the 40s. And while they can kind of spread it out, without Gronk and and if they don't have Antonio Brown – it is it is kind of a tighter offense with mm-hmm. Edelman, Gordon, White, and Sony Michelle. Uh, obviously, if Antonio Brown is available, that changes everything. And right. I think what it immediately does is it creates a lot of uncertainty. I think I'd still feel comfortable with the Patriots defense, and I'd still probably feel comfortable with James White on FanDuel or excuse me on DraftKings. But I think the the other players would certainly uh, have more pressure for target share with Antonio Brown around. Yeah, I would also mention uh, Phil Dorsett uh, in that conversation. Obviously, not not one for for cash games, and and I know that that's what we were speaking about. But uh, in GPPs, I think that that's a, a fine play for for a really really cheap price tag uh, on DraftKings. He's just three k. Uh, it's not a it's not a play that like stands out a lot. He's only projected for nine drafting points, but. You know, Patriots are projected to score a lot of points. Dorsett would be a part of this offense if Antonio Brown does not play. So I think he's a fine flyer in tournaments as well. Yeah, Dorsett and Burkhead, some of those guys that you can uh, extend the player pool out to on the Patriots. But I think they they will end up being popular if Antonio Brown is unavailable. Um, from Antonio Brown's current team to Antonio Brown's old team is where there's some injury news. So let's walk through some of the big injuries that I think are going to impact uh, we'll try to keep it quick here as we move through these notes. Juju and James Conner both missed practice on, on Wednesday or were limited in practice. Uh, illness for James Conner. Uh, Juju with this toe injury, I believe it is, that they're saying is not 
they, they don't expect it to be a big deal. Um, but you know, early season miss or early week mispractices early in the season or something to, to talk about and be concerned about. Obviously, the Steelers' offense struggled mightily in Week One against the Patriots, a Patriots defense that I think is going to be one of the better defenses in the NFL this year. Especially the secondary is just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if they are unavailable, what it does is it makes the whole either one it makes the offense more vulnerable um, to another down performance. But I think this is a really, really good spot, a bounce-back spot at home against Seattle, a Seattle defense that struggled with Cincinnati. And I think them being on the injury report, along with the Steelers kind of struggling a little bit last week, if they play, I think it might actually open up some some opportunities to get them at a little bit lower ownership than you might expect. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I also wanted to just th- – well, actually, you know what? I'm going to save that for – the stack rankings, like when we talk about the the Steelers later, because I, I do have kind of a flyer guy that I, that I'll personally be playing this week that is not projecting well for us, uh, but that I'm going to boost uh, a little bit, just kind of a kind of a gut take uh, r- right now for me. But I'll mention that later, Drew. You can just continue to to move forward here in our injury news. Okay. And obviously, if uh, James Conner was unable to play, we saw what Jalen Samuels was able to do late last season without James Conner. It would be a situation where, you know, he's priced in the 5000 range on FanDuel, something like that. He would immediately um, become, and he's 3600 on DraftKings, he would immediately become like a free square if something was to happen to James Conner that he's not available. Um, speaking of other running back situations for injury news to monitor in that same division, in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon left that game early uh, against Seattle. There. The, the coaching staff and the comments seem like slightly optimistic in terms of his availability, but we're still not sure. The matchup with San Francisco, I think, is a decent one. But more importantly than anything, the Bengals' running back depth chart has been decimated throughout the preseason with injuries with some of the rookies they drafted. Rodney Anderson, Trayvon Williams uh, got hurt. And so what we saw in the past was they don't have running back depth behind Mixon and Bernard. And so when Mixon got hurt last year, it was heavy, heavy workloads for Gio Bernard, and he delivered week after week after week. He's priced at 5300 on DraftKings, which I think is a price tag that does take into consideration some potential of Mixon not being able to go. 5700 on FanDuel does not seem to do that. I think this is the same situation as James Conner, where if Joe Mixon were to miss, Giovanni Bernard would immediately become one of the top values on the slate. Oh, he certainly would. Uh, I mean, m- my current belief is... If Mixon doesn't play, Bernard is going to be a guy that you kind of just have to circle in in cash games. Uh, like I, I know what what you mentioned makes sense that the price tag on DraftKings does take into account that uh, potential workload, but I don't think it's high enough. Um, it, it should probably be closer to the six K range uh, if he did get uh, that start without Mixon around. So I think this is going to be a really important piece of news to monitor throughout the week because it could certainly change the complexity of the slate. Yeah, and the last one uh, that's you know big at least as of now on the injury front is obviously the Chargers announced that they they lost uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, the timeline is a little bit tricky uh, based on a Schefter tweet that I think said maybe four to six weeks, but it was a fractured tibia, and I just I don't understand um, how that's not closer to season ending. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they place him on IR or not, but. Um, that obviously leaves a big target void. They they lost Tyrell Williams in the offseason, and then Mike Williams also left that game against the Colts hurt. Uh, the Chargers just cannot cannot fight off the injury bug the last few years. Mm-hmm. And so what this does, it opens up a lot of value opportunity with 
more uh, time on the field if Mike Williams is unable to go for both Dontrell Inman and Travis Benjamin, who are very, very cheap. But I think more importantly than anything for me is it makes uh, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, and especially Austin Eckler, just such a great play. Like he's already a really good value. There's just a lot of target share opportunity as we saw for him to be involved in the passing game. You remove another one of those intermediate field options mm-hmm. in Hunter Henry and uh, you, you throw in more field stretchers in terms of on the field and Travis Benjamin. And that just opens up a lot more space for Austin Eckler underneath. So I think Austin Eckler is a great play regardless of whether uh, we see Mike Williams suit up tonight, uh, th- uh, excuse me, this Sunday or not. But I think um, even I think even if he doesn't, um, you, you've got a bigger boost for Keenan Allen as well. And I think you might run into a situation where you might consider making lineups where it's like at least one of Eckler or Keenan Allen if Mike Williams uh, sits this one out alongside Hunter Henry. Yeah, Drew, everyone was going crazy for uh, Josh Jacobs uh, last week, and and for obvious reasons. Uh, but Eckler uh, played a very similar amount. Uh, like uh, Jacobs did for for the Oakland Raiders, uh, he had a seventy seventy five percent snap share here. Uh, so, you know, I love the workload that he's receiving right now with the Chargers. As you mentioned, it, it only has room to grow uh, if Williams misses. You know, Hunter Henry being out for the foreseeable future only opens up a more more path for success there. Uh, and I, I think that the price tag is still a little bit light on Eckler. Yeah, totally agree. All right, let's get into some quick uh, buy sells of the week one performances. I'm going to list uh, a player at each position that had a big week and a player at each position that had a down week. Uh, Chris, just give me your, your quick take. We'll kind of alternate on these uh, quick takes, quick hitters here. Uh, start at the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson, the big quarterback performance of, of week one. Are you buying or selling uh, Lamar Jackson's week one performance? I am buying. Yeah, I'm buying as well. We were really big on uh, Lamar Jackson as a potential league winner in the offseason for uh, fantasy football. The big question mark for me will be how much rushing is there going to be for Lamar Jackson? We actually didn't right. see very much in the first week, so that'll be something to certainly pay attention to. Love, love the matchup again this week against Arizona and their fast-tempo offense. Uh, the the big disappointment in, in week one at quarterback for me was, you know, there are a couple of guys that we were interested in, but I'll focus on the one that's in the, well, they're both in the Thursday night game, actually, but I'll focus on uh, the one that I have more exposure to in best balls because I'm a narcissist. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, are you buying or selling that week one performance uh, for Cam Newton? Gosh, that is so difficult because it's really just one week, Drew, but um, honestly, I have him in season long, and I'm selling, man. Gosh, and I and I hate to say that I I really do, um, but like you know, last year was a shoulder thing. Uh, I know in preseason he had this ankle thing. Uh, it, you know, it seems like a matter of time for him to like he needs the time to get healthy. I'm not sure if he has that time now that the actual games have started. Has a great matchup this week. It's a sell for me though. Yeah, I'm concerned here. Um, I would say that from the, I wish I could sell some of the exposure that I have in best ball season. Uh, I really like that offense quite a bit. I, the one thing that I will note is they played at the second fastest pace in the league when you pace adjust, uh, for a game script and scenario and situation. So I thought that was a good thing, uh, to see for them. 
would like to see him pick up his running. Our, tar- our, our projected market share of carries for Cam Newton is below where he's been the last four or five seasons, and he was even below that week one. So something to pay attention to there. Let's go to the running back position. Uh, I think we talked about Austin Eckler enough, honestly, yeah. but he was the breakout performance at week one for me at the running back position. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Melvin Gordon going forward. I would say as long as Melvin Gordon is out of the picture, I am buying Austin Eckler as a, I would say, outside of like the top four running backs, like right there. Like as a legit running back one, I am buying Austin Eckler. So I think he's going to be too cheap in DFS for a few weeks until they figure this out. I'm I'm right there with you, especially now with the loss of of Hunter Henry. Again, it it opens up more potential opportunity there. Uh, I guess you know a a small concern would be like Justin Jackson uh, getting some of those snaps in games where they're going to be winning. But honestly, that seems like a very small concern at the moment. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, In in terms of week one underperformances at the running back position, this one pains me because it it pained. I paid my bankroll most of the day until I got bailed out by one lucky team. But uh, Nick Chubb was, you know, one of my highest exposure plays compared to the field in week one. And it was just a really disappointing performance right from the get-go when Cleveland got a short field. And amazingly, Nick Chubb was not on the field. And Dontrell Hilliard got his only carry of the game. One of only two carries that did not go to Nick Chubb that were running backs, and he found the end zone. Uh, Chubb delivered an underwhelming performance just like the rest of the Browns' teammates. Are you buying or selling Nick Chubb after week one? Well, this one's tough for me, too, because it hurt me a lot uh, in my wallet, <laughs> just like it did for you, although you did get bailed out. I did yeah. not. Um, just had too much Chubb. I, I certainly have too much of him in cash games. I didn't split lineups. I only played one. Um, and, and it ended up really, you know, really hurting me. Um, you know, with that said, still played 70% of the snaps. Um, Hilliard played a, a much bigger role than I think really anyone expected, even though he, he only got, you know, those two carries. I'm still going to be buying Nick Chubb, though, uh, for the foreseeable future. It's a concern that the the offensive line, honestly, Drew, looked like crap, uh, to, to put it very honest with you. Um, so that's that's a legitimate concern as well. Uh, but I think this offense is too talented to not get it going, and I'm going to be buying Nick Chubb. Yeah, I will be buying Nick Chubb. I'm hopefully going to be investing at what I expect will be lower ownership. Unfortunately, not on the main slate this week, but in those showdown contests, I will certainly have a lot of Nick Chubb. Um, you mentioned it, big snap share, um, big share of the running back touches, had 10% market share of, of targets as well, which I think was the big concern coming in in terms of how involved he'd be in the pass game. Thought he got very unlucky with one of only two carries that didn't go to him the whole day um, in a game that they were getting blown out. Right. Um, to not get the, not get the red zone opportunity. So I think he will bounce back quite a bit. Um, still like was fairly efficient with the ball. I think he just needs those opportunities. Let's go to the wide receiver position where I think one of the big stories of week one was the reemergence of John Ross. Um, obviously had, you know, has had a, a very difficult start to his career, whether through injury or lack of production. And he just torched. Seattle's defense. Um, I think he led the league in air yards, uh, had the highest uh, conversion rate on air yards as well. Just a monstrous performance. Um, John Ross, still affordable in DFS, so you can still go at him if you're buying. You can still take him this week against the San Francisco secondary that we thought 
Tampa Bay was going to be able to torch, are you buying John Ross? So there are some news uh, floating around, Drew, that A.J. Green could be back a little bit sooner uh, than expected, um, which would obviously hurt John Ross's kind of prospects and and opportunity. Uh, Though not, this is again not in the short term. This would be more of a long term thing. Uh, personally, like I, I love the opportunity that he received in week one. Uh, if he continues to have this opportunity, it, it's tough not to like it. Personally, I'm, I'm a seller. Uh, I, yeah. like I, I really do believe that this was an outlier performance relative to where he's been at in his career. Um, and it's obviously been a, you know, a very short career. Uh, but I, like, I see this as more of an outlier rather than, hey, this is what's going to continue to happen moving forward, so I'll be selling. Yeah, I would say this is a, this is a, a nervous sell for me. Um, and what the, the, the context I'll provide here is I think he's going to get ownership this week in DFS, and I don't want to play a player like John Ross at, at ownership. Yeah. I want to play a player at John Ross at low ownership because he is a guy who his opportunities are going to come down the field. The big plays are going to be there. But he has had inconsistent hands and inconsistent performances throughout his career. And I would much, much, much rather be on the opposite side, knowing he's a volatile player. When he's low-owned, I think that's your time to take shots. When he's high-owned, just get away. And so I will be uh, tepidly selling. I would not be surprised if he had another big week. Um, I think I think in general, though, his history of inconsistency would lead me to uh, to sell at what I believe will be higher ownership rates. If, if they're low ownership, feel free to invest. Mm-hmm. And that's always something you can check out. Uh, our ownership projections will update throughout the week, uh, provided by Unsourced Un- Fantasy Collective. All right, the wide receiver disappointment for me, again, uh, you know, this is all about me brandon cooks really disappointing week one performance i have a ton of brandon cooks in best ball and season long uh had a decent bit in dfs talked on the game the game by game breakdown that i liked uh going after him more than cup and woods because i think there's more explosive upside for tournaments cooks didn't even have a catch in the first half they got him two catches to start the second half and then he disappeared again uh what's your take on brandon cooks in in this offense do you think last year's performance was simply because cooper cup was hurt half the year I mean, I, I certainly think that is part of the explanation, right? Like, I, I think both go hand in hand there. Uh, though, from what I, from what I'm seeing, I think Cooks is a buy. Uh, still played nearly the entire game. Uh, 71 out of the 77 possible snaps. Uh, yes, the target share was lower than we were hoping. Uh, but look, this is going to, to happen. Um, to some of these Rams players. They they just have too much talent. They added more running back depth uh, in, in the offseason, which probably won't hurt them too much because they're not targeted, like, ridiculously in the past game. But you're going to see, like, low-end performances like this happen happen to these Rams. It was, it was very unfortunate that it happened to Cooks last week. But, again, point to the snap share and the opportunity were still pretty good. Uh, so I'm going to be buying. And you mentioned, you know, with John Ross, it's it's an ownership game, right? So now yep. it feels like Cooks is not going to get as many looks as far as the ownership is concerned because of a disappointing week one. And, Drew, I, I know it's our job to look at really everything. Uh, so, like, we can't ignore what happened in week one. But you also have to remember it's just one week. It is just one game. And we have a history here of this player being very productive in this offense. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Brandon Cook's very productive wherever he's been. This uh, last year was his fourth straight year 
of of over a thousand yards and really uh new england you know he was he was one he was one 18 yard catch away from four straight years over 1100 yards so very productive player i think you buy low on the the ownership i'm not concerned about the presence of cooper cup um i did think uh, just as a side note i did think todd Gurley looked a little more spry than i anticipated that game um but i'm still bullish on, on malcolm brown as we have been uh, all off season at the tight end position the big winner in week one was evan ingram um, and this one is, is horrifying for me because I had a lot more Hunter Henry and a lot more OJ Howard than I have Evan Ingram in season long and in best balls. And immediately, not only does Evan Ingram put up a big performance, but immediately Sterling Shepard ends up on the injury report as well. And now going up against a Buffalo defense, it's very good, but the price tag hasn't moved a ton on Evan Ingram. Are you buying that big week one performance? Is Evan Ingram like the tight end own in fantasy this year? Dude, heck yeah. Um, and by the way, Shepard landed on the on the injury list with a concussion uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so like this isn't something minor. Uh, concussions are like very very tricky. Uh, if we are talking about added opportunity for Evan Engram, uh, he's an absolute buy. Yes, like I, I realize that the Giants' offense is is going to struggle. Uh, yes, Eli Manning sucks, uh, but the opportunity is going to be monstrous. For a good player, I'm buying. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm buying as well, and I'm, I'm honestly frustrated that I, I wasn't buying enough earlier. I was just very into Howard and uh, and Henry, and I, I surpassed I uh, passed on a lot of Ingram, and I think Ingram's going to have a monstrous year, um, even in an offense that's going to be very inconsistent. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of target opportunity. I think he's the number one there. Uh, a week one tight end disappointment was Vance McDonald. I think a lot of people expected Vance McDonald to potentially be the number two in the Pittsburgh offense, replacing um, a huge market share of targets that were left by Antonio Brown, obviously. Mm-hmm. That that opportunity set was not really there in week one. It was one of the more interesting stories in the sense that Vance McDonald's snap rate didn't really move a ton from last year. Um, and, you know, the targets weren't really there. Are you buying the dip on Vance McDonald or are you concerned? So uh, I'm going to be buying uh, Vance McDonald. I, I know week one was a real disappointment. But th- look, man, at the end of the day, this offense, it's just there is a lot of opportunity uh, to be had here without Antonio Brown. Obviously, James Conner filling into Le'Veon Bell's shoes. Uh, but I still think that th- there is just more opportunity to be had here. Uh, I, you know, last week, Drew, can, can we just say – Pittsburgh just looked completely outmatched against a really, really good New England defense, potentially one of, if not the best defense uh, in the NFL this year. I, I like, I think that's that's what happened. That's what the score reflected. Uh, and so, you know, guys like McDonald had very disappointing games. Uh, I know Moncrief was uh, good grief; it was terrible. Uh, like he had a drop uh, in the end zone, and I, you know, I know like the defensive back came in and kind of just like hit it out of his hands, but like it happened twice, and one of those was a legitimate drop. Let's face it, Pittsburgh just doesn't have enough like really good skilled players outside of their top two. I think Vance McDonald is going to see more opportunity moving forward than what he did in Week One. 
Yeah, so, and I misspoke. The, the snap share was actually pretty good for Vance McDonald, 71%, uh, up from his 54% last year. And I think more importantly than anything, uh, the only other tight end on the roster is Adrian Grimble, only played two, two snaps. Um, so his primary competition in terms of the tight end position for snaps was not out there. So basically, the set, the times he was losing snaps, we're in no tight end sets. Um, so I think that's a very good sign for Vance McDonald. I also think the inconsistency at the wide receiver position is a sign, is a good sign for him. I will say this. I was not buying Vance McDonald at his, uh, price tag when, uh, the offseason was here in terms yeah. of that price. I think he was a little bit overpriced, but I think that, that there will be an opportunity to buy low here. All right. Let's move quickly to our stack rankings for the week. And I, I have, I have five that I did in, in the way that I came up with these, this, this top five was, Basically, I ran our optimizer 150 times with a little bit of shuffle at the quarterback position, made it so that all the stat that you had to double stack the quarterback. And so what this is, is this is a, a, what players get into the lineups the most from there. And so it's a combination of kind of their value of the quarterback and the receiving options as well. The number one by a wide margin was Brady and whoever the heck you want to throw in with them, Edelman, White, Gordon, Dorsett. Obviously, without Antonio Brown and the projections, you just get a lot of opportunity condensing around the rest of the roster. Um, is he your number one stack candidate this week? Assuming ownership aside, we, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not going to speculate on, on how, uh, how much ownership we're going to see on these stacks until later in the week when we get those reports. But assuming ownership aside, is, is the New England stack the one you'd be most comfortable with? Um, <laughs> I, I would say, I would, I would honestly say probably no. And I, and no. I, and, yeah. Who, and I, I who's know. Christopher Pacheco's number one? Spill I know. I know. I know. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm really concerned. And, and I know, you know, you're going to hate me for it because like at the end of the day, there's a 33 and a half total here. <laughs> you know, like this team is projected to score a lot of points. Um, and obviously no Rob Gronkowski anymore, P- potentially no Antonio Brown either, which would be huge. Um, but I, so I am more comfortable investing in our number two here with Mahomes, uh, Kelsey Watkins. I feel like that offense right. is going to be more right. concentrated. Um, they're also projected to score a lot of points. Um, so I know, look, I, <laughs> the Patriots are my favorite team. So like, I, I'm, you know, my takes, are often going to side with them. But like if, if you're talking, if you're asking me about my comfort level, I, I feel, I think I feel best about number two, even though number one is projected to score the most points on the week. All right. Interesting. Well, a little bit of a more expensive route though, as well with yeah. that Mahomes, Kelsey Watkins stack, uh, the highest priced tight end, the highest priced quarterback, one of the higher priced wide receivers. So you're not going to get off cheap. With that stack, so you better have good confidence in it. Uh, from an expensive stack to a cheap stack in that same game, our number three stack that was most popular was the Raiders. Derek Carr, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller. You can throw Josh Jacobs in there. All very cheap, especially on DraftKings where the pricing comes out before that Monday night slate. And we saw kind of a condensed target share, a condensed opportunity set for the Raiders playing Kansas City a game that they figure to have to pass a lot. As we saw last year, opponents of Kansas City led the league in pass attempts per game. We saw Jacksonville flinging it all over the course of the game in, in week one. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the Raiders' stacks uh, in this matchup against Kansas City where they're substantial underdogs at home? 
Oh, I mean, I, I feel great about it. And mind you, you said ownership aside, right? So we're not, we're yep. not, yeah, really, ownership uh, aside. Yeah. So we're not really thinking about the ownership here. The, the price tags on these guys, uh, especially over on DraftKings, uh, do seem quite silly. Uh, Tyrell Williams, uh, is 4,400 and, you know, this is a guy that last week saw a market share of targets of 27%. Now I, I realize that it is one week and, and I am team don't overblow it. Um, you know, like don't take it into account too much, but it does seem like this Raiders offense is going to be very concentrated. Uh, obviously we never saw Antonio Brown play, uh, for this offense and it just seems like it's going to be really Tyrell, uh, Jacobs, Whaler. Like it's going to be those guys. Uh, who are going to get the work. I, I, so I, I know Jacobs is, you know, cheaper than he should be as well. You didn't include him as part of that stack, uh, which I think it, it feels like it's correct. Drew, he only saw one target last weekend. He did play a lot. I do wonder how they're going to handle that. You know, like if they are going to be trailing in this game, which clearly against Kansas City, we, we definitely expect them to. You know, is Jalen Richard going to be, you know, a, a bigger threat? Yeah, so that's the biggest question mark I have for this stack. I feel very confident relative to the value of Waller, uh, Tyrell, and Derek Carr. My biggest question mark, not not that Josh, I don't think Josh Jacobs at 4,700 can be a bad play with the workload yeah. that he got. Yeah. But I do question the upside in terms of that game script was perfect for yes. a, a lead running back. And so... You know, how much is Jalen Richard going to be used? Last year, it was dump off city with Derek Carr and Jalen Richard. Um, this year, we didn't see that. We didn't see the targets for either Richard or Jacobs. The two combined for 3% target share. We had them projected for over a 20% target share from the two running backs. So it was a very different game than we expected. Um, so that's, that's the thing that I'll note that I'm just a little bit concerned about in terms of the upside there, but I do like that stack quite a bit. Um, the next stack, Buffalo, another cheap stack. Josh Allen, Cole Beasley, and John Brown. How do you feel about this one this week? Um, why don't we just ask Leone? Because he's he's really <laughs> the 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 Bills, uh, you know, Bills Mafia guy uh, in in our in our team. Um, I, I feel good about it, Drew. I, like th- I, it is ownership aside, right? So I, I can't really uh, talk about that. It just it just feels like it's going to be. Yet again, another stack that is not going to be overly popular. Uh, the price tags, as you mentioned, are cheap. Uh, they have a solid implied total of 22 and a half. It's, you know, it's, it's nothing great, but it's not terrible, uh, either. They are a road team, uh, projected for 62 plays. Uh, I, I feel fine about it, um, especially given the, the cheap price tags. Yeah, I actually like this one quite a bit. Um, really condensed target share in week one for Buffalo. Um, I think you can even extend this out to Devin Singletary, who I'm going to like quite a bit as well. The Giants defense really struggled with the Cowboys offense, which looked great mm-hmm. in week one. So I think it's a pretty good matchup. But 27% of targets for John Brown in week one, 25% for Cole Beasley, just 13% for Zay Jones. That's a winning formula, in my opinion. Um, they were targeting Zay Jones way too heavily the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think the less that they have him on the field, the more that they emphasize John Brown and Cole Beasley. And I would like to see Robert Foster ascend that depth chart again for some of the big play potential that he has. Um, I feel really, really good about this this uh, offense relative to price tag. They're just very, very cheap. 
on um, DraftKings, you've got Josh Allen, who, you know, won Millie Makers last year at just 5,300, Cole Beasley at 3,800, Singletary at 4,200, John Brown at 5,200. I don't think you can go wrong with too many pieces of that Bills offense. And yes, they have the propensity to be inconsistent, but I think this matchup um, against the Giants is a good one to target for sure. And then on FanDuel, you've got the prices of, you know, 5,000 for Beasley, 6,300 for John Brown, 7,500 for Josh Allen. I think they're a little bit more concerning on FanDuel because you really want that touchdown upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think how pass-happy they were uh, early in the game especially I think is a, is a good sign. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in them this week too. I'm interested to see where the ownership comes in. And then the fifth stack I'll just let you talk about because, you know, we talk about the Steelers stacks for years and years and years. And now you're telling me you got someone out of the blue. So why don't you take on the Steelers stack? Yeah, so – you know, the, the obvious ones here would be Roethlisberger, uh, Juju, and, and Connor, right? Like, that that would be the go-to. I have another guy that I have interest in, and our projections just don't like him uh, because he's he's really not seeing a, a lot of opportunity right now, but I think that's what could change in the future. And that's James, James Washington. Uh, he's a guy that I, I really liked his college production. Uh, really hasn't done a whole lot at the NFL level. It hasn't had a lot of opportunity. Uh, when he was out there in the preseason, though, he really performed uh, at a high level. Uh, it's a guy that is a deep threat as well. Doesn't have a big size to him. Uh, has decent speed, though. And again, the college production was fantastic. So, like, I, I wonder at, at what point... You know, if Moncrief continues to struggle, do they just turn to this guy and say, okay, you know, you're, you're certainly not going to be Antonio Brown, but you give us some, some downfield targets and, and Ben is, is going to target you down there. And he's really cheap. Uh, again, he's not going to project well. So you're going to have to get creative, uh, in order to like make him stand out a little bit in our projections. But I, I have some hope. I have hope here because. If week one was any indication, you know, outside of the top two guys for the Steelers, they really don't have a whole lot. And I think someone talented like Washington could step in and give them a boost. All right. There you have it. James Washington, consider him in your uh, Steelers stacks this week. Very, very affordable. Um, I would like to see him on the field more because I'd like to see Juju in the slot more. I'd yeah. like to see Ryan Switzer off the field. I think they're at their best if they use Washington and Moncrief to stretch that field and let Juju kind of work through uh, a variety of route, uh, routes. All right, let's wrap this up by talking about the showdown slate for Thursday night, Carolina and Tampa Bay. Carolina, a touchdown favorite here. Um, two offenses that wildly underperformed week one. Uh, Carolina is sitting with a 28.25 implied total. So very big implied total on the slate and a seven point home favorites. Um, I think the thing that stands out most to me about this, this, uh, showdown game in particular is that both of these teams were extremely concentrated offensively in terms of their snap shares last week. And thus, I think it's going to be a tricky showdown slate um, to find value because if you look at like who played for you know Tampa Bay in terms of the wide receiver position, Godwin played ninety plus percent of the snaps. Um, Mike Evans played eighty five plus percent, and then Rashad Perryman played sixty five percent. While OJ Howard played almost eighty percent, and Cameron Brait played forty five percent. So basically, it was either Brait or Perryman on the field, and then very occasionally. You'd get someone like Auclair or Bobo Wilson mm-hmm. or uh, Justin Watson out there. 
super condensed. And Carolina is the same thing. I mean, Carolina only has, I believe, like four wide receivers on their entire roster. Uh, Christian McCaffrey played 100% of the snaps. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Craig Olson all over 90% snap shares. So this is going to be a very interesting showdown slate in that it's going to be very difficult to find value. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, Curtis Samuel could be thrown into that bucket of disappointments last week, Drew. Yeah. Uh, we, we certainly had a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, he disappointed, but like you mentioned, he played over 90% of the snaps. Like, it's only going to get better for him specifically. I'm, I'm right there with you, though. Um, this feels like a slate where, you know, being, like the value is 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 tough to find, and being contrarian uh, also feels kind of tough. Like the the very obvious route is to play McCaffrey uh, at captain. Like yes, you know Cam, uh, he's eleven k on DraftKings, which I think in this showdown is is a pretty good price tag. Um, but like the the most obvious route and the one that most people are going to have is going to be McCaffrey because he has like literally no concerns. He's going to play the entire game. Uh, and then with Cam banged up, like that just opens up more opportunity for, for McCaffrey. Like I, I think that this is the one guy in this offense that no matter how Cam is performing, he's not going to, to be affected by any of it. Yeah, and Cam had all those jokes at the presser about the playbook uh, being specifically designed for Christian McCaffrey because Ron Rivera had him on his fantasy team. I uh, was saying that every play was H this, H that, which is Christian McCaffrey's role in the offense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think the popular route for this game, I think, is going to be, um, you know, certainly focused with McCaffrey at captain, but I think it's going to be on, you know, all those guys that were fairly popular in week one as bounce back candidates. Mm-hmm. I think, um, the interesting thing will be is is our Carolina onslaughts going to get very popular because they, they have a stronger projection. Their offense, while it struggled quite a bit, it at least put up points. The Tampa Bay offense just did not put up points in week one and really, really struggled. Um, so I think, you know, one way to certainly be different is to tilt your ownership at least a little bit more on the side of the Tampa Bay side. Um, it, it would be contrarian naturally. So if you want to be contrarian in these slates, that's one way to do it. The other thing that I would say is we're often skeptical of the upside of kickers or defenses on given slates. Mm-hmm. But because there's such few alternatives in terms of cheap options that are even going to be on the field, I think it's uh, a slate where kickers and defenses possess more upside than normal because the, sl- the snaps are so condensed within the two offenses. Yeah, so I, I also wanted to mention um, the running back situation for Carolina kind of seems dicey uh, because we've already heard that it's going to be like the hot hand situation, which I don't, you know, I don't think anyone wants to hear that. Uh, but there was one guy that looked much better than the others last week, Drew, and it was Ronald Jones. Um, you know, he he really wasn't impressive at all last season. But, you know, with, with running backs, it's always – it's such a difficult conversation, uh, feels like, year to year, outside of, like, the very outlier guys. Uh, of course, someone like Tristan McCaffrey, you know, comes to mind immediately as a guy you don't have to worry about. But, like, Jones is a guy that I liked in college uh, quite a bit. I, I, I saw him play a good deal. Uh, and – you know, what if, what if, you know, he gets hot and the offense just kind of runs uh, through him? Last week, uh, with Jameis really struggling, 
this is a guy that kind of turned the Jets on and performed well for them. Yes, he you know he didn't score, uh, but still averaged like 5.8 yards on the ground. Um, so I, I feel like there might be a little bit more upside to him than what we are currently projecting. Though I am in agreement with pretty much all of the inputs uh, that we have for him. And again, it's a timeshare, so it's a it's a very difficult conversation to have. Yeah, the thing that I note is that I think your build should be very cognizant of, you know, which running backs you're using in which types of situations um, for Tampa Bay. If you're using Ronald Jones, you should probably be playing lineups where you expect Tampa Bay to be playing from ahead. Right. If you're using, if you're expecting Tampa Bay to play from behind, if you're playing Tampa Bay onslaughts, I think that's where you want to use uh, Dare Agumba Wale. Um, I think he was the guy who was, you know, on the field for most of the passing downs. Mm-hmm. He had kind of a perfect game script last week because they were playing from behind, and he didn't really do much, but he's pretty affordable um, and should have opportunity. So I think that would be my big note is that with with whatever Tampa Bay running backs you're considering, uh, make sure that you you consider the game script that you're kind of building within the rest of your lineup because these showdown lineups you always want to kind of tell a story because you want to emphasize correlation. It's your best route mm-hmm. uh, to getting to the top of those showdown leaderboards. Um, but that'll do it for this week's edition of what was supposed to be Thursday's main slate game by game breakdown. I promise you we will be back next Thursday instead of Wednesday. Whatever the heck that podcast was from Davis and Ricky, uh, you can treat that as your game-by-game breakdown this week. We didn't want to be redundant, even though we clearly have much more informed and better takes. Um, so we decided to instead focus it um, simply on the uh, an, an array of, of things from the buy-sell, from the stack rankings, from the news and notes, and so on and so forth this week. So uh, we will be back at it on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Pod on Friday with Davis Maddock and a special guest talking about picks against the spread this week. And uh, we'll have that Sports Grid Fantasy Football feed popping all week long. So make sure to please support the podcast. It is free for you. To keep it free for you, please rate, review, and subscribe to that podcast, Sports Grid Fantasy Football Pod. We'll be here all week for you. Best of luck in all your games this week.